Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the manufacturing sector with today's guest host, Miranda Birch. So this is a behind the scenes tour of Insights for Manufacturing. And you've probably had glimpses of Jeff Beecham as the host of the podcast and his depth of knowledge, which is going to be the basis of our chat today. And that knowledge, I'd argue, is possibly one of the most important issues facing you and your company. And that is finding the right leaders to take you through the next crisis, which we've had enough already, but there'll probably be more, or galvanising your teams through different times, or just getting to grips with pivoting, whatever it is. Getting the right leaders right first time is vital. So over the next 30 minutes, we're going to be exploring that world of executive search and headhunting. And we're looking in depth of what difference it makes, because I think we've all been there when we've thought we've got the right candidate for the job. And a few months down the line, we realise they're not a good fit for the company. And that is hugely costly in terms of recruitment and in terms of that demoralising impact on your team. And Jeff knows this. He's been immersed in this world of executive search and getting the right people for more than two decades. And it's also the foundation for his company, Authentica Resourcing. So I'm going to be exploring that topic right now. So, Jeff, I know the tables are turned. Um, I hope this doesn't sound too much like a recruitment interview. But from your perspective, what are the challenges facing manufacturing businesses at the moment to find the right leaders first? Yeah, well, that's a great question to start with, uh, Miranda. And, um, you know, all businesses will have a, a number of reasons for, you know, hiring managers or, or executives. You know, they, they may need, uh, you know, to, to up their bench strength. They may need to bring in uh, talent for specific projects, uh, which is where the interim would generally come in. There might be performance management issues, you know, even at board level, you know, um, Sometimes there are, you know, confidential searches that, that need to be undertaken where the business will need to bring in talent from outside the organisation, um, you know, to replace somebody who's just not, you know, meeting the, the objectives or, or, the, or the strategy for the board. So, you know, there are always the challenges of finding the right people. Um, and I, what I would always say to to any client, whether it's at board level, uh, lower level management or even at shop floor, you know, look to your own network first. I think most organisations would probably do that anyway. Um, but even for businesses that, that are used to using executive search headhunters, um, it would be remiss of, of an organisation not to consider who is in their current network. Who do they know from a previous relationship? Because that might save them a bit of time. It might, um, yeah, it might save them a bit of money. But my, my caveat to that would be you may know somebody who would be a, a really good fit for that role based on a previous relationship that you might have. But that is one person as a very, very tiny, minute particle of the potential candidate pool for that business critical hire that you have. So yes, look at your, your own network, um, but then maybe use that as a benchmark. If you've got a star individual that you know from a previous relationship, that really should be as close as you're gonna to get to a benchmark for what that external search might look like. 
Um, and then, you know, really working with an external headhunter, I, I, you know, there are always challenges, you know, there, there's a war for talent. Um, it's different at executive level that it would that it would be, you know, for example, if you were recruiting on the shop floor, um, you know, factories and warehouses need volume. They need volume skills. They need volume talent. Totally different ball game when when you're talking at, at director level roles or or the C-suite. Um, but my approach to this is, is you know, is, is pretty simple really. To to get the right hire first time, I, I have four uh main uh processes that i that i go through before the search actually starts and, and the first one is really to make my clients uh hiring priority my number one priority and that's quite unusual in itself because you know uh, uh, most recruiters will be working on a a number of assignments um you know they, they could have half a dozen searches running at a time well, I'm a small business and I like to do things properly and I like to do things in a measured way. So I only operate one search at a time. Um, and that's up to the CV shortlist stage, of course. But, um, you know, working like that, I can totally immerse myself in my client's business, um, really get to know them, get to know the culture, get to know what does good look like for them. Um, and be laser focused on on my job, the job that they're paying me to do. So that that's the first point is, is making the client's hiring priority my priority, number one priority. The next one, you know, this this applies to any form of recruitment, and it's something that's that's uh, really frustrated me over many many well too many years to be honest. As you say, over two decades in recruitment, you know, is understanding the brief. It's such a simple thing, you know, but unless your recruiter uh, fully understands your business and not just the role that the, you're asking them to go out and recruit, but, you know, the impact of that role, the impacts of certainly getting it wrong um, and the impacts that recruiting the right person have for your business, but also for your customers as well. So, you know, it's, it's all about listening and understanding what it is the client are trying to achieve not just in hiring the right person but what what is the strategy what what impact does this role have on the overall business success number three is then you know an obvious one it's knowing where to look and you know having worked on both sides of the table in terms of retained search which is where i currently operate and contingent recruitment which is the more traditional method of advertising, database search, etc. Um, it really is about, you know, being able to lean in on, you know, a very advanced network that, that I've built up over many, many years. And um, this, again, I go back to, to the client and the client's customer objectives. It's knowing where to look in the right place. So having a great network is, is fundamental. Being able to ask my network for quality referrals on, you know, senior individuals that are, you know, known to these contacts in my network, um, it really is a valuable resource. So, you know, there's, we'll talk a little bit more about process, the process of headhunting, I'm sure, as we go along. But it, it really is as simple as knowing where to look. And not all recruiters can can honestly say that they 
you know, before they start working on an assignment, they know where to look. I generally always know where to look before I commence a search. Um, and then, you know, following that is is executing a robust search authentically and, and with purpose. Um, and I say authentically and with purpose. And, and by that, I mean, you know, it's it's it shouldn't just be a transaction. This is, you know, I I'm truly viewing myself when I'm when I'm retained by a client as an extension of their business. So I have to represent not only my business but you know i'm representing the client but there's always you know there's there's, there's always three parties in a, in a recruitment project there's the client there's the candidate pool and then there's the recruiter and you know un unless everybody in that chain is doing everything they can to ensure a smooth process and, ex and a successful outcome then th things will fall down so as, as the recruiter or the headhunter I'm, I'm normally the guy in the middle that, you know, um, I'm going to be looking in the right places. I'm going to have my client's best interest to heart all the time. But there's also the candidates can, to, to consider as well. So if you're not listening to the candidates, you could be missing signals that might end up in a in a wrong hire. You know, so having a um, a high level of, of due diligence throughout the recruitment process is intrinsic. I can't underline or, or, or overstate that enough. It, it really is about, not just about, you know, that old cliche, getting all your ducks in a row. Yeah, from a timing point of view, yes. But quality is is the is the the, the overriding value that, that must be in abundance throughout the whole process. And, and authentically, it is, is doing what's right so taking the brief from the client understanding them and then going out into market authentically you know giving as much information as you can in order to engage the right candidates but then listening to them and and you know making decisions with the candidates to whether it might be right for them or not um so that's really where i where i start off with you know those those four sort of um key points to me, they, they always ensure that I get a, a successful outcome and and end up with the right person at the right time of asking. Um, my caveat to that, I suppose, is that, you know, with recruitment, we're dealing with human beings and, and human beings can be, uh, they, they can, they can change their minds. They can, you know, throw curveballs at you in the very, very rare circumstance that, you know, I might get a candidate to, to offer stage and um the candidate changes their mind you know i can mitigate against that and it, it doesn't happen very often but in the when you when you've got a candidate that maybe sort of falters at the last hurdle um and and sort of doesn't accept an offer for whatever reason i'm pretty good at, at, at having backup plans and and being able to you know go back out to search quickly based on a good benchmark at that point um in order to get that assignment over the line so there's a lot of ground there and I'm just going to focus on one area where I think people for understandable reasons may be too narrow and you talked about early on that big pool that's out there a huge pool of talent and then actually reaching it so in your experience what does that big pool encompass is it about going beyond your sector 
Is it about going beyond your normal network? How far do you push the boundaries to get to that best talent? Yeah, it, it's interesting. And, and you, you would have, depending on which recruiter you're talking to, you'll get different answers and um, different clients will have their own preferences. So if a client's paying me a retainer to recruit somebody for them, I've got to listen to them. And if they're, if, if they're narrow-minded themselves, uh, it does create an awkward starting point because, you know, if, if they're from, for example, aerospace or automotive and they only want candidates that have got a proven background in that sector, then uh, for me, you know, I, I work on the, on, the, on, the, on the basis of Pareto. So it's the 80-20 principle. Yes, a shortlist probably needs to be made up of 80% of exactly that if they're hell-bent on we only want automotive or we only want aerospace or whatever it might be then then naturally um then you know my shortlist would be made up of a majority of candidates from that background and there are very good reasons why clients would insist on that you know and that's another topic for a, a podcast in itself i i suppose but i would always um uh, you know, try and educate clients to the, the benefits of looking outside of their own sector. I'm not saying that they will find or, you know, always find better candidates outside of sector. But unless you're looking under all the stones, um, you, you might be missing out on an absolute gem of a candidate. Um, so going back to your original question. So headhunting, it's really, you know, if, if you're if you're going to recruit, and you're a client and you've got a business critical role, first thing, you'll go to your, your network. Outside of that, you'll, you'll go to an, an external headhunter. So what you need to do is to have a pool of, of potential talent and have a diverse pool of talent. And, and by that, I mean, you know, not just individuals who are on the market, quite often the people that I talk to, are you know they're working permanently they're well looked after um they're, they're engaged with their current business they fit in and all the rest of it but it's about you know positioning an opportunity with them that might well move them to the next level of their career in a time frame that is more uh, suitable to them to what their current business can can provide so whilst people are generally they might be generally happy where they are there are normally you know reasons that they might have if you present them with the right opportunity they would consider a move so we've got to be talking to people that are happy in their current roles so these are the passive candidates that aren't necessarily looking on you know job boards or responding to adverts um we've got to be talking to uh to other people in in the sector or in the the businesses that might be appropriate to harvest the talent from so you know quite often on a search yeah the first the first port of call is always who are the competitors to my client doesn't always mean to say that the, there will be uh relevant or, or appropriate talent within those organizations and quite often clients will say well we know all of our competitors we yeah we, we've looked at them not really impressed with what they do it, it does depend on who you talk to but Going down the competitive route isn't always the, the preferred choice uh, for a client. Um, but you would you would have a look at the competitors and, and map out those businesses. The next sort of port of call would be organisations that are of a similar nature to, to my client. Um, 
and that might be from from a, a manufacturing process point of view it might be they might not be in the same sector so if it's an aerospace client aligned businesses might not be in the aerospace sector but they might have similar or the same manufacturing processes but they just make things for other sectors so those businesses would be in my opinion they would be totally relevant of course you've got different standards that, that some sectors work to so as 9100 for, for aerospace there's uh, you know ts6949 and the newer one you know for automotive medical and, and food you know they they will um have their own uh, standards that they have to work to so somebody coming in from outside of those sectors might not necessarily have the regulatory experience but there will be so many similarities in terms of maybe the structure of the organization uh the manufacturing processes and and, and culture is another good one if you can match um potential businesses with your client so if you can look at uh, and, I, and i don't think this is looked at enough from a lot of recruiters they, they just seem to go for like for like i've got to get somebody from this sector and from this background um but if you really know your market as, as a recruiter or a headhunter you will know some of the other businesses uh that will have a similar or the same culture as your client and that's sometimes a really really good starting point because as we know culture is such a big thing when it comes to uh, getting the right fit and, and getting the longevity out of a placement um so you know there are databases there are job boards i don't tend to use them um often if at all um you know it really is about my network talking to people getting to know um you know clients getting to know candidates that most of the people i talk to are at senior level anyway so usually any conversation i have could be either or it could be about an assignment it could be about is that company recruiting so most uh director level and and, and c-suites are you know are open to a discussion with a, a, a you know a good headhunter um because it may well they may well need the services on, on, on one of those two different routes so the the strong network the referrals knowing knowing my market knowing my customers market knowing who's who in the business is really where you can take some time out of a search that get to the right people quickly um, but just coming back to you know one, one of the main sort of challenges really you, you can you can match technical skill sets you can match the the qualifications the level of experience the proven track record and all of that sort of stuff but you know uh, for executive search it really is down to leadership competence leadership style and culture fit it really is so um i think you know too many recruiters and some businesses will err a little bit too far in in any one direction on those things they'll um they'll you know just focus on the sector experience or they'll focus on um all on culture which is great and all, all on attitude and you know drop the ball when it comes to skills i will i think it's probably worth noting um something simon sinek has, has said on a number of occasions you know uh hire for attitude you can train skills and or something like that i agree with that i really do you know if, if you haven't got candidates that have got the right attitude and certainly at leadership level 
they've got to have emotional intelligence. So if they haven't got that right attitude, leadership capability and emotional intelligence, they can have all the skills in the world. It's not going to work. The only thing with that is, um, again, I'll go back to the 80-20 principle. Um, you, you've got to have the right sort of DNA to be a to be a leader. Some of it you can be coached on, you can be mentored on, you can, you can be taught. Um, but I think a lot of it has got to come down to the person you are and how you apply yourself in, in business. Um, but the skills side of things, for me, it, it is still important. But I would say 20%, you know, they've got to have the right background, the right skills. They've got to have knowledge about the industry, the processes, the standards, wh whatever it might be. Um, and then the 80% is obviously their leadership skills, capability and, and, and emotional intelligence and how they apply themselves. Um, so it's really important to to look at, you know, has the client identified the right fit? What does the ideal person look like in the first place before you've even started to recruit? Because um, quite often, you know, businesses, they might have a, a director, for example, an ops director or a uh, a business development director that's been in post for 10 years now that role might have changed over that period the company might look totally different to what it did 10 years ago the last time they recruited the structure of the organization might have changed dramatically so when was the last time they reviewed the the job description for that for that role and at senior level it, it's just so important that you know these are business critical roles so what does that individual do today? So if we're going to be replacing somebody, what does that job description need to look like? And not just what does the what does the job description need to look like, but where where were the gaps with the last person doing that role? Are there areas for improvement? Are there things that we need to change about that job description today to enable that leader to be able to perform um you know to the to, to the to the optimum of their capability for the future business needs as well so I, I think sometimes there can be an element of laziness um you know either with the the, the client in terms of you know not really giving a, a an up-to-date version of what they want and sometimes a recruiter might not ask enough questions around that you know because we're not recruiting generically at this level. We're recruiting for key leaders that are, I know I keep saying it, but they're business critical. So let's get it all out on the table, warts and all. What are, what are, what are the issues? Where would you like to improve? You know, um, how can you take the business to the next level? Is replacing like for like going to get the job done? So sometimes it's about asking those questions. And if the, if the client are totally... Um, unanimous in what good looks like for for that hire then that gives a very clear message to the headhunter or the recruiter to be able to do their job properly wow it sounds like you're a combination of sort of a strategic business development person because you're forcing people to think really really forensically about where their business is going and where this new role has got to fit in and as you say take the last 10 months even things have changed so fast but it also occurs to me that you become an ambassador particularly if you're reaching out to those candidates who you've called passive who are happy in their work and then suddenly you sow this seed in their mind look I represent this company 
have you thought about your next step? And suddenly you're extending their horizon. So I think it's, I was going to ask you a basic question, but you've answered it, which is that difference between recruiters where you just stick an advert out there and hope for the best and actually the proactivity and the depth of knowledge that you and other people in executive search bring to the role. So thank you, that's been that's been fascinating. I am mindful of time though. And I one question I wanted to ask you, particularly in relation to insights for manufacturing. Why, Jeff, why have you decided to specialize in manufacturing? Uh, well, it, it goes back to, I, I suppose, my my youth, uh, you know, in a, in a previous life when I was a lot younger, um, I, I worked in manufacturing and production environments, um, albeit within uh, quality control. Um, but, uh, you know, I was used to working in a, in a sort of production environment and the, the sort of the environment and the and the mentality of, of working within quality has always stayed with me. Um, I'm not an engineer. Um, I'd, I'd make a, a terrible engineer, um, but I, I'm very inquisitive. I love how things get made. Um, and I like to see in my work, you know, we, we've got the the people side of things, you know, recruitment. I, I've always recruited within engineering and manufacturing um, and a bit of distribution. But working within manufacturing really whilst i'm recruiting at leadership level these days there is always that connection to what are the products what does the company do what difference are they making in the world you know are they you know in, into you know renewables or any energy saving devices or do they supply the medical industry healthcare? are they keeping planes from dropping out of the skies are they you know producing components that go into defense systems these are all things that affect all of us you know as, as human beings um there's the food industry as well uh capital equipment is another area that i recruit for it all comes into manufacturing really but you know the 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 equipment businesses the the machinery and production line businesses that that make automation and, and production lines that make food uh they're keeping the country fed um so it's really really it makes a huge huge difference so I, I i love to see how things are made i love to learn about different materials different machines um i'm just really inquisitive my brain is an absolute sponge and uh i think when when you and i spoke last year um or earlier this year you, you asked me a, a similar question and i think at the time i said you know, I'm a little bit like um, the kid walking around Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. You know, manufacturing is just so exciting. It's it keeps evolving. Um, it, it's it's a, a, a real good foundation for our economy. People love to make things. We need manufactured products. So for me, doing my bit, recruiting people that are going to ensure that manufacturing businesses are successful and provide jobs for people in the local communities and keep producing you know great british made quality products that gets me excited but also the the, the podcast insights for manufacturing um i'm actually the, the the sort of guest this week and you're you're the you're the host um that was born out of a, a passion for manufacturing this particular episode is um is the odd one out really because i always said to people and i regularly say to people insights for manufacturing isn't about me and it's not about recruitment it shouldn't be about recruitment because i've done it this is my side gig if you like it's my passion project 
it's just linked to my work because I recruit for predominantly the manufacturing industry. So anything that I can do to support UK manufacturing, I will try and do. And I thought the podcast was a great way of, you know, getting people on that have got their own subject matter expertise that can give value to UK manufacturing. That's why I did it. And of course, it, it also at the same time gives people a bit of an insight into Jeff Beecham and, and my, a little bit about my personality and I, I suppose my level of knowledge or not, as the case may be, <laughs> depending on the subject. So, yeah, manufacturing is is just a great industry. And just looking back, obviously, the podcast is ongoing, but I just wonder, are there particular insights that you've gained your, yourself as a host that have stayed with you and may shape your work or just shape your vision? Wow. Uh, well, crikey, how long have we got? We haven't got too long. Um, yeah, each and every guest that comes on the show is a great learning opportunity for me, you know, because we cover so many different topics. Um you know, I've, I've had some of the, um, you know, the associations on the show, you know, either the, the sort of CEOs or presidents or founders of different trade associations talking about topics that are important to their members. Well, this is all, you know, each and every time it, it's, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to to hear what's going on with their members, you know, the things that are important. But not just reading something that's that's in mainstream media that's typically quite negative. Um, I'm learning more and more about um, different parts of the sector from professionals that are in these these pockets of industry, and that can only help my clients because my knowledge is is boosted every time. It helps my candidates as well because I, I can understand hopefully a little bit more about some of the things that they're coming across day to day in in their in their daily life as, a, as an executive um but there, there's there are so many i mean the you know the, the inaugural episode of insights for manufacturing was terry schooler um the chairman of the institute for international trade and export uh, you know that has been the the highest viewed episode by far on youtube um i think that might have been a little bit to do with the fact that he was such a great guest but also it was the first one so you know it had great momentum um but such a great topic as well you know particularly not long after brexit so ev every guest is special you know um i had professor carl chin on the show um the other week i've always been a fan of of, of carl his passion for manufacturing but also he's a, he's a huge personality around the birmingham west midlands area but then we were looking at the sort of social impacts of manufacturing to the region so for different reasons I'm always interested in in having a, a diverse range of guests um, and hopefully, you know, the, the podcast audience uh, will get different topics and, and get them thinking about things in a different way each time. I, I, hopefully um, the, the, the podcast is is certainly not more of the same each episode. It's a different, you know, a different person uh, talking about a different facet of, of, of manufacturing and how it impacts us all well congratulations and i hope your interviews carry on month after month thank you jeff it's been great really great talking to you thanks very much miranda and thanks for coming on as the as the guest host really appreciate it